We know now that in the early years of the 20th century, this world was being watched closely by intelligences greater than man's. Did the CIA write Wind of Change by the Scorpions? <laughs> <laughs> As humans busied themselves about the various concerns, they were scrutinized and studied. Dr. Loeb, what percentage chance do you give it that you have indeed uncovered extraterrestrial or non-human technology? With infinite complacence, people went about their affairs, yet across an immense ethereal gulf, intellects vast and unsympathetic drew their plans against us. Prior to your abduction, did you believe in UFOs or any sort of alien life form? All things unexplained. So some of that I think sir, we'll save for close session. Hey, Unexplained Ones. This episode, I'm pleased to be joined by DJ from Calling All Beings, and this is our analysis of the traditional Christmas story as seen through a modern ufology perspective. We recorded this episode on Christmas Eve on Twitter Spaces, so the audio quality is not quite up to our usual episode. Please bear with us as we have a fascinating discussion on the traditional Christmas story. And remember, you can support the show at BigfootUFO.com. Enjoy. All right, and there you have the traditional Christmas story. And so, in part one, we have Gabriel, an extraterrestrial and otherworldly being, coming down to visit Mary. And one thing that strikes me in this is that when Mary sees Gabriel, she is afraid, just like later when the wise men and the shepherds see the angels, they are also startled and afraid. And I couldn't help but wonder, you know, it makes sense that if all of a sudden this otherworldly alien extraterrestrial being comes down upon you, much like a lot of the stories we've heard with experiencers, right, that's going to strike some fear in you. Another thing to take away from part one is that after Mary is visited by Gabriel, of course, she's a virgin, and Gabriel lets her know, you know what? You're going to get pregnant here. And we now know that virgins can become pregnant through IVF. And so if we look at this through the lens of, you know, modern science or 2,000 years ago, what, what would have been future science, we can now analyze you know, the possibility that there was extraterrestrial intervention here with Mary and her pregnancy. And, and of course, something did happen, you know, even on a Christian land, a Christian perspective. We have this woman. She has not had sex. You know, IVF is not artificial insemination with humans, not such a thing so far as humans knew, right? But she does become pregnant and give birth. And this supposedly happens with, through some process between this interaction with an extraterrestrial being, who, by the way, that she is at first afraid of. So, DJ, are you still in here? Yes, sir, I am here. I uh, lost you for a little bit, but we got you back toward the end. So I heard probably a third of it, something oh, like no. that. Yeah, the, I don't know why the audio dropped, and I was, like, going to leave and come back, and then thankfully it came back anyway, so it's all good. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah. this is my first Twitter space, so... I no, it's not you. It's, yeah. It just it happens. Who knows? Yeah, it happens to me in the Twitter space all the time where I just lose people. Don't know why I have to leave and pop back in. But yeah. I was just going back over this the traditional Christmas story there, and, and basically at the beginning we have Mary, a virgin, visited by an alien being who she called Gabriel and she was quite afraid of this alien being and you know that makes a lot of sense DJ if you think about it that oh man you're just minding your own business and boom all of a sudden this otherworldly being you know is upon you so you know what's interesting is I'm probably the worst uh, placed person to comment on this because I have not read the bible I'm actually Jewish by birth uh, but I'm basically practicing nothing except spirituality and 
trying to be nice to people. Uh, but I have heard the words of Dr. Pasolka and people like Nathan as well, you know, who I, I just, you know, chatted with on uh, uh, Signal, but he's, he's going to sleep now. <laughs> but <laughs> um, but um, a lot of people believe that, or at least these folks believe that possibly the, the names for what we're calling the entities today may be different than what they were at the time of Jesus of Nazareth, who, by the way, has facial hair very similar to Bigfoot. Not that I'm saying there's a connection there. Um, oh, but uh, <laughs> but uh, a little comedy there. But um, um, so, you know, I don't have uh, enough... I'm not well read enough on that particular topic to say, oh, you know, that sounds right. But it does give you pause if someone like Dr. And I lost TJ there. But he was talking about he recently interviewed Dr. Pasoka. Yes. Um, I was looking. What's the name of our friend that's here with us in the chat? I I can't see the name. Yes. Uh, Well, I thought maybe uh, he had given us a, a first name, be it real or not. Anyway. So, Tim, I would ask you, when, when, when you hear that from Dr. Pasolka, what goes through your mind, knowing that she's a, a Catholic theologian and, and, you know, at least is a member of the Christian faith? Well, now, remind me, so, what did she say again? You cut so, out she, she says things similar to that at the time of Jesus, uh, an angel, uh, they may have uh, called a certain entity an angel. And now we might call it a gray, right? Um, or right. a demon might have been, you know, like a reptilian or some other. So that that maybe the entity potentially is the same entity uh, that people are describing. And she goes into St. Francis of Assisi and so forth. But but the, the, the entity may be the same. So I'm curious what your thoughts are on that because you're a practicing Christian. Well, that's absolutely right. And, you know, spirituality and the UFO phenomenon has really been in the news here a lot lately. I don't know if you saw, but Tucker Carlson has given a few interviews here lately. And he was on with Clayton Morris recently. And he's had some very interesting comments that have really been in the news. He talked about how, you know, there's a spiritual, the course. You can put Tucker Carlson in the same category as a lot of the whistleblowers we're hearing from and other folks that, you know, they're hearing from people who supposedly have firsthand knowledge here. And Tucker mixes in that, well, hey, you know, some of this is also my own belief, but he says there's a spiritual component to the UFO phenomenon, and it's got a dark and disturbing component in both he and Clayton Moore say, yeah, we know what we're talking about, what each of us is talking about here. You know, we're not going to say it out loud, but they both say, you know, it's so disturbing. Tucker wouldn't tell his wife. Right. Clayton wouldn't tell his own children Ooh. about it. So this made me go, wow, you know, what exactly are they talking about here? But they both mentioned this, this spiritual component of the UFO phenomenon. And so it's really been in the news here a lot lately. And then I was watching a, something with uh, Gary Nolan, Dr. Gary Nolan, and he's telling Ross Coulthard, right, that um, they've been here possibly since before we were even civilized. Right. That's how long they have been here on mm-hmm. Earth already, that they're not human, and that they are definitely intelligent, if not vastly more intelligent, or you know, I might just say at least technologically more capable than us. Well, can I suppose can, that you could ponder if that means? Can, can I say? Can I say one right? thing? Because when, when Gary yeah. Nolan says they're not human, I think you know if, if if this is a hypothesis I held even before I became acquainted with folks like Exoacademian uh, and bigger thinkers on this, uh, Mike Masters, you know, Doctor Masters. Um, people like that, that that have a time travel hypothesis, is that uh, maybe some of them aren't human and never were human, but maybe some of them are 
a future us. And so, you know, Dr. Nolan, as learned as he is, and let's say, for example, that he had all of the information that the government had, and clearly he doesn't. But let's just say for the sake of this discussion that he did. He still wouldn't know <laughs> the nature and origin of every entity that has visited itself upon Earth. So I would just, you know, for the sake of the discussion, just my personal recommendation is to keep our minds open that maybe some of them are not and never were, were are non-human intelligences, and maybe some of them are future us, or as someone said recently, maybe even past us. <laughs> Get into your ancient aliens um, discussion. So I just want to put that out there. No, that's absolutely right. And, you know, circling back to Dr. Sulk and her words, you know, Dr. Nolan, his experiences with this phenomenon and the way he looks at them, he may not know really much more than Mary knew about Gabriel, the mm -hmm. angel coming down to tell her that, hey, you're going to become pregnant uh, with Jesus. And so I think that's very interesting, right, that t we have to look at this when we talk about ancient aliens through the lens of folks living 2,000 years ago, the words that they would use and how they would describe things. And I think when we look at it that way, we we it's obvious that they are describing, you know, some sort of otherworldly beings that if we had the exact same encounter today, that we would, we would label this and put this firmly in the UFO category, the alien right. category, the extraterrestrial category. Well, right. Uh now, right. Because, no, I was going to say, ahead, because maybe, you know, in the time of Gabriel, that that was, a, you know, a, a name, perhaps that that was a, a name that was written in the Bible and something that would be familiar uh, to someone, uh, you know, in the time of, of the first century, let's say. And now a kid would be familiar with E.T., that you know, the term E.T. in gray, you know, someone secular that is of our age, you know, might those names would be more familiar to, to, to attach to that entity. Right. And I can't help but wonder, you know, they talk about being afraid of these entities and they, they call them here angels and other parts of the Bible, you know, not associated with the Christmas story. They're talking about demons, but here with the Christmas story, of course, we're talking about angels because we're talking about benevolent entities, yet they are afraid of them. So I wonder if a combination of things is happening, perhaps, you know, as we talk about interactions with UFOs, such as when Travis Walton encountered a UFO and, and was abducted, right? So where we talk about grays or mantids or insectoids, that sort of thing, right? Like, but although they might be benevolent, if we did encounter them, it would strike fear, right? Now, they might also look similar to us, but even still, if we encountered them, there's some sort of otherworldly fashion, like perhaps they come down in an orb or a UFO. Well, that would inspire fear, certainly, right? So I feel like this has some sort of a combination of things happening. I actually hear Santa ruffling around in the background out there. I don't know if y'all can hear that. That's a good sign. Santa's over North Carolina, folks. But what do you think about that, DJ? What what process would strike fear here? It has to be more than just encountering a person. And I'm not lost, DJ, but that's okay. Part no, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm with oh, you. Hey. Can, can you hear me? Okay. Yes, sir. I got you. So you're, you're talking about fear on the part of the experiencer? That's right. 2,000 so, years ago and today. Well, I think she spoke about that as well. You know, you, you, you have heard people talking about fearing the gods and these, these sorts of things. Um... I, I think she spoke about that. I just, I don't have the recall to go back and say what she said that people at that time would have said and thought and, and, and if that would have instilled fear. Um, but you would have to assume that they have the same emotions and same emotional triggers that we do. And so if something were to appear in front of them that they were unfamiliar with, you would have to think that um, you know, and, and, you know, it basically appeared into their reality. You'd have to think that that would scare that person the way that 
it scares us. And, um, you know, boy, I've talked to, it's interesting, you, you talk to enough UFO experiencers and they experience a very similar fear, although they're not out in the woods, they're not uh, in the dark hearing a very large animal maybe emitting infrasound upon that person. Um, whatever they're experiencing, when a UFO comes into uh, their, you know, into their reality, is very very similar. So I find that I find that really interesting. And it so you have to assume that people, you know, two thousand years ago would have been very very similar to that. Hello, welcome oh, everybody that's for sure. that's come in. Uh, if you want a microphone. Uh, please throw up a hand and we'll we'll get you a microphone UFO intros. I sent you a invitation to speak uh, if you choose not to. Uh, cer- that's certainly fine. And this other gentleman here is, how do I say this? Is it, sh- oh, all, X all, P. Chinchak. I love some of the names we got in here. When you do things right, people won't be sure you've done anything at all. Wow, awesome. Well, welcome. Uh, oh, okay. He accepted the invitation to speak. Uh, did you have something before Tim goes into uh, part two? Is that where Tim? Let me see if uh, if UFO intros has anything to say, and if you also would like to speak, um, X all. Uh, there you go. We'll send you a microphone. Okay. Just here enjoying this, guys. Loving it. Oh wow, cool. Well, I'm glad. Glad you're enjoying it. I'm, I'm quite out of my depth, but I also would not turn out an opportunity to do spaces with Tim because he's my friend. Uh, even though this this particular, uh, see, if we're talking government and uh, you know potential spacecraft stuff and all these <laughs> sorts of things, I'm I'm sort of in my wheelhouse now. I'm way out of my comfort zone, but I guess it's good that we do that, isn't it, Coach? Absolutely. And you know what? I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that. By the way, this is Dr. Mouse from All Things Unexplained. I'm joined with uh, my co-host DJ tonight from Calling All Beings. And we are in my first Twitter space, so I really appreciate DJ agreeing to come in and co-host with me. So if you're listening, wherever you are listening to your podcast and you're hearing this right now, and you might notice this is not sounding a little, this sound a little different, but we're on Twitter spaces, so we're giving this a shot. But DJ, I'm glad you mentioned that about government there because... You know, they're saying that it's you can't separate the spiritual component now and, and the fact of that being involved with UFO phenomenon and the government cover-up of that, the Catholic Church cover-up of that. We've got folks saying that we, the people, cannot handle the shocking truth of UFO phenomenon and that they actually understand why the military and the government and the large church organizations would keep that under wraps simply because it would bring about the total collapse of society as we know it. <laughs> so there, at, there are a lot of people out there that say, hey, we've got a major intersection here between ancient aliens, between religion, between spirituality and the UFO phenomenon, and the military, and our government. Matter of fact, it's all intertwined. They are saying that, well, Dr. Nolan said, and, and Tucker Carlson said recently, that our government is aware of these beings, and they have had interactions with them. Did Tucker say that? He said that, that we've had Tucker interactions? Tucker just alluded okay. to somewhere between Tucker and Dr. Nolan. Okay. They, they said that, yes, we've... Our government has had interactions, and of course, our whistleblowers are basically saying that. You know, even if you believe that we've recovered craft and that we're in the process of reverse engineering them, well, that's interaction on some level right now. If you go another step, we've recovered bodies. Let's just say they were deceased bodies. Well, that's another step of interaction, and of course, if we've had it's not that big of a leap from there to believe that we have had communicative contact interaction with NHI with extraterrestrial beings. So I'm glad you said that, DJ. Yeah, let's 
man, there's so much in what you just said. That's literally, that's a, a mountain of information to get through. But if I could just take the last part and let's just read into it just a little bit. So you, you heard Grush say when they asked him, uh, he talked about that they have recovered uh, biologics with some of these crashes. And so the next logical question is, were, were any of them alive when we took them? And do you remember what his answer was? Probably. Um. No, his, his answer was, I, I can't, I, you know, I, I can't go any further, unfortunately, on that. Oh, that's right. So that in itself is a little bit of a, a window because the answer could have been no. Right. So right. so with some of these answers, they're really good because in not answering and I and there's some others that um, that I've picked out of interviews with uh, with Lou Elizondo, with Jim Semivan, so forth, where uh, that type of an answer is in itself an answer where they, they could have said no, actually, Ross Aska, if you guys go back and listen to that, Ross, and welcome, wh whomever just entered the room, hello, uh, it looks like KX, hello, welcome. Um, if you listen, and if you want a microphone, please let us know, you're more than welcome, have one. Uh, if you listen back to the Ross Coltart interview, there's a question he asked, and he asked it in a way where David was able to, he was able to get an answer that could have it was confirmatory but asked the wrong way it could have been i just i can't talk about that i'm trying to remember what it was but if you guys have a chance to go back and listen to that initial news nation interview and and listen very very carefully ross coltard is brilliant as an interviewer but what i mean to say there um tim is that um um, yeah, he, he didn't say that, no, we haven't recovered anything that is, uh, that, that I, I can't confirm whether they were alive or, or not alive, uh, because he asked him, were any of them alive? And he said, well, I can't go any further with that. He could have just said no. So I'm going to assume based on that and information, uh, conversations I've had with Richard Doty, even within the last three weeks, two weeks, um, I had about a 45 minute conversation with Richard Doty that we have recovered uh, ones that are alive. That's my opinion. Just my opinion based on um, all these sources that have said that. Right. That's a great point. And, you know, it's Christmas Eve. And so we are talking about the traditional Christmas story, believe it or not. But looking at it through the lens of the UFO phenomenon, and we've talked about, okay, Gabriel visited Mary. Mary was afraid. Gabriel said, you know what? You were blessed, Mary, and you are about to be a child despite the fact that you are a virgin. Now, after that, Caesar Augustus sent out the decree that everyone must be registered, and they must all report to the city of their family lineage. And so Joseph had to report to, of course, Bethlehem, and he took Mary with him. Now, she was pregnant. So at some point between, we don't know how rapidly this was, but between Gabriel's visit and their reporting to Bethlehem, she basically became full pregnant, you know, so maybe this was nine months, maybe sooner, who knows when we're talking about divine intervention here. And there was no room for them anywhere except for the uh, stable at the end. There was no room in, actually in the end, and she gave birth to this divine child, this child of divine intervention. And they wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger. Now, around the same time, there were shepherds we learned out in the field. And guess what? We don't know if this was Gabriel. Doesn't really say, but an angel appeared before the shepherds as well. And when this happened, and this, this struck me, it said, when this angel appeared, the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. And the angel said, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring to you great tidings of joy for all people. And he basically told them, Hey, you're going to search out this divine child, this Jesus here in Bethlehem. So again, we have this angel appearing, this otherworldly being before some folks. 
it's surrounded in this great powerful light and it's so shocking you know they're terrified and and the shepherds of course were the, the lowest of the low folks right like you may not be smart enough or have the money or education enough to do anything else 2,000 years ago but you could have been a shepherd okay you could have lived out in the wild basically intended to the flocks of sheep or whatever else you have with you and so this i haven't heard this mentioned dj but this reminded me of, of a lot of current ufo encounters we know of a lot of ufo encounters that tend to happen in very remote areas and we're talking 2000 years ago nobody else in society basically was more remote than the shepherds so we're talking away from the cities, away from the towns, away from the other people. And they had this UFO encounter. It really reminds me a lot of what we hear from today's UFO encounters. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's very interesting because I've been binging on the missing 411 and UFO connection. And one of the most interesting things that Dave Pilate said, and I've combed through hours and hours of either George Norrie or George Knapp interviewing Dave Pilates. And what I keep coming to is, and this is not a place that I'll normally, you know, just default to, but because of, you know, I think John D'Souza put it best in that tweet. He said, basically the amount of time in between when, for example, a parent saw their child right behind them on the trail and them disappearing is so brief that it really doesn't leave space for a conventional um, disappearance because there's no noise, there's no sound of an animal dragging them off, there's no sound of a Bigfoot coming and grabbing them, uh, etc. These very conventional explanations. But them walking into a portal or the phenomenon... Uh, some UFO abduction, like what you know was depicted in that movie, uh, that Dave Pilates movie, is possible in that sort of amount of time. Um, and what I want to say about that is, um, you, you hate to try to connect these things, but I don't see something else that is plausible. And what I, th I think the point that Dave made that I, I should make here is he said. <clears throat> He basically said, why don't these abductions happen when someone is in a group of people? You know, why doesn't it happen with all five of the hikers, mom, dad, uh, sister, brother, or church group, as was the case. One of the ones he was talking about was a, a church group at Yosemite that, that was hiking out to the falls on a trail that hundreds of people per day go on that trail. And someone, one of the members of the church group just disappeared just like that. And what Dave is saying is there is some sort of a selection that is occurring, that there is something nefarious in whatever that entity is to when that person is isolated to strike so quickly so as to remove them so that neither their gun, their backpack, their shoes, nothing is ever found. And that is uh, what is very curious um, and the isolation that, uh, that you spoke of. If right. someone wants to Roger up on that, please do. Absolutely. Everybody is welcome to chime in. And of course, 2000 years ago, this is exactly how it happened. We have this angel appearing before a singular Mary, an angel appearing before this group of shepherds out here. And, and basically what you could interpret as the UFO, you know, surrounded by bright light. It, and it was, of course, very frightful for them it's frightful even today if we were to have an encounter with something we don't know in the sky we're terrified so you can imagine 2000 years ago how terrified would you be for anything to be in the sky and emanating this brilliant light um, and attempting to communicate with you that would be that would be terrifying now Next up, after they have this encounter with the angel, it says the shepherds rise to follow the star that shone in the east. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts. 
And so I find that very interesting if you really think about what they're talking about here. I do not think they're talking about the shepherd went in the direction of a star in the east. If you, as we see here in a little bit, there literally was something in the sky guiding them toward Bethlehem that they followed. Okay. And this says, not only that, but there were a whole multitude of other, it calls them heavenly hosts, to oppose aliens, otherworldly beings that, that joined in at this time. I'm not sure how many other things 2,000 years ago we could really be talking about leading folks around in the sky, okay? Um, it really sounds like a UFO to me. You know, I grew up religious, as CJ mentioned, and we believed that angels were very similar to us, but that they were different in some crucial way some crucial way that may have played a role in the emergence of fallen angels or demons, that, that it was the separation between angels, aliens, if you were, and humans, that created a rift between some of the angels and God and, and humans, perhaps seeking out this difference with us. Some of the angels began to interact more with us. And this led to them becoming fallen angels or malevolent or demons or what have you. And most Christians, I feel like, or at least I grew up believing, that this has some sort of connection with the soul. And we've heard, a lot, we've heard talk recently that there are people in high places that believe these aliens and the UFO phenomenon are potentially using us has host bodies to essentially harvest souls at some point, which is kind of a disturbing thought, right? But, but again, it is inexorably tied to this spirituality component. And then we go back to, okay, something is this much too disturbing for people to handle. And I've heard people talk about, okay, children, you know, we had someone on with us, you know, that talked about he believes that they're abducting children and I mean you can't get any more disturbing than that right but if you're t dealing with spirituality and souls and things of that nature and you know children are would be high in power there I mean it's it's really a disturbing concept so we really are tying together here this Christmas story, the traditional Christmas story and UFO phenomenon. PJ, what do you think about some of this, this connection between, you know, they're similar to us, they're not quite human. That, that really sounds a lot about how we talk about them even now. Well, one of my hypotheses, and by the way, if, if anyone wants to chime in on this, please do. Um, I have, so some of the entities we we've discussed earlier that I I'm not I wouldn't want to pigeonhole that there's one type of entity that has visited Earth or that is from Earth and and just entering our space and interacting with humans either abducting them or just interacting with them in their their homes or, or buildings etc cetera, etc cetera, or outdoors but I have long believed that some of these entities that when abductees speak about they took my semen they took some form of the female anatomy that uh, helps produce children or they took eggs or something i've long believed that they're doing that because they see some sort of value in what we have that even if they've advanced tens of thousands of years technologically beyond us that they haven't figured out how that they can produce something called a feeling, you know, like what is love? What is laughter? You know, um, I've said that you can, I've felt that you can have, you know, artificial general intelligence or whatever is beyond, beyond that, 
that AGI. It can create music, sure, but I don't know that it will understand what it feels like to go to a U2 concert the way that I went and saw the emotion that people felt in 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 viewing a performance. The purpose of art is to move someone's emotions, is what I say. Someone may have a different interpretation that's just as right or even more correct than mine. But my my thought process is that the purpose of art is to move someone's emotion. So when you go to a U2 concert or a concert of some sort of band that you really really love, you're going there because you want to be moved emotionally and feel spent at the end of the night emotionally. And I don't think they these intelligences have figured out how to create that. So they need humans in order to, what Tim talked about, try to, you know, sort of grow a consciousness or a soul,、uh, if you will. That what makes, you know, what made Buddy Holly make that music or John Paul George and Ringo, etc.、Um, so I think some of these intelligences are trying to figure that out, and some of what the government would not want to share with us would be. Um, any statistics or data that they may have that indicates how many people they would attribute both child and otherwise that have been abducted by、um, a non-human intelligence or some sort of an alien phenomenon and never come back. And once again, if you watch that movie by Dave Pilates, the Missing 411, the UFO connection, that gentleman who's now boy, he must be. You know, 90 years old at this point, but in the 70s when he was hunting out there, I believe it was in Idaho,、um, and、um, he was abducted out there、uh, after they found out that、uh, he said that、uh, that he did not have he had a vasectomy. They said, "Oh, well, you're of no use to us. We'll bring you back." The implication there, according to him in the movie, was, "Well, what if I hadn't been fixed, so to speak? Maybe I wouldn't have come back." <laughs> so,、um, anyway, that's、uh, that. That's just sort of, you know, the Cliff Notes version of 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 that that question there, Tim. And I'm sorry I can't reflect too much on the biblical aspect of this. I really just don't have a perspective on it.、Uh, but I I do have perspectives on things that are going on today. Well, and I appreciate that because you know what I fully believe it takes all types of viewpoints here to really. Get the full story. Like you can't get the full story just from one perspective. That's why our greatest leaders、you、have、can't. surrounded themselves right by people who think differently than them. Because what what is the point of just folks who think the same way as you do? You're not really ever going to figure out anything new that way. So, I really, uh, uh, Tim, I just want to say that in in any cabinet,、uh, if they're dealing with this issue, there's a significant. Probably group of sociologists and psychologists that have been consulted、uh, about these. Hey, hey, Jules is here. Hey, Julie. Julie's.、Uh, hey, hey, I see that. Yeah, she's in. I don't know if she's still in the hospital or if she's out of the hospital, but we shall find out.、Uh, so,、uh, but anyway,、uh, yeah, it does take all those perspectives, and I, I know that、um, whether or not.、Um, This disclosure rollout drips and drabs as it is right now. I'm sure that has been orchestrated to a degree by government-hired,、uh, both contract and and civil service type sociologists and PhD psychologists of what you know how this could come out and not you know essentially freak people out for lack of a better word. Jules, are you there? Can you talk? I saw something pop up in the chat, and she said, "Still in the hospital," but. I have to say, DJ, this is some synchronicity here, because、yeah. how appropriate is it? It's Christmas Eve. We're talking about Mary, a woman who was impregnated by otherworldly beings,、mm-hmm. and had this child in a in a stable, basically, and had to place him in a manger in swaddling clothes. And now we're being joined by someone tonight from the hospital, which is really rocked by a lady, Julie, from the hospital, which just rocks and totally matches up with what we're talking about. Julie, would you consider your hospital room like a manger? Are you surrounded by straw? 
No, it is nothing manger-like. Okay. There's no straw. Okay. No, and I probably shouldn't be talking a whole lot, but I'm doing much better than I was, and I consider living through this particular illness a, a miracle. So I don't know if you're all familiar with it. But I know I know DJ is that apparently my appendix burst in April, and it has been oh, such a beast infected all this time. And so, you know, it's they just took it out a few days ago, and and I'm trying to fight the infection and and everything, and I'm doing remarkably well, better today. So I'm very thankful. Well, remember what Yoda said: there is no try, try not to do or do not. <laughs> no, <laughs> Julie, you are. I mean, we knew. I knew that you were going to sound this good. Just you know what? Thirty six hours later. <laughs> <laughs> you're such a beast man oh, you know when my expend, when my appendix burst I was like crying like a baby and and granted I was in an elementary school but Julie's just been like tooling around like hey yeah to go to the grocery store oh believe me I, I, I've done some crying throughout this time <laughs> but you know I I was raised that you didn't you didn't complain you know and 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 honestly, DJ, I've had a lifetime full of pain with my back, the way it is, and everything. And you learn how mm-hmm. to deal with it. You know, you if you can't cry every day, you have no life if you do that. So it's the Indiana toughness that was that was baked into you. Yeah, it's, you just you got to keep going. So <laughs> I put it in that meditative state and try to keep it going. Ugh, you're amazing. Uh, well, I'm so glad to hear that you're doing well, Jewel, but I confess I expected no less. So. <laughs> well, thank you. I'm going to mostly listen, though. Unless I want to jump in on something, I'll come back. Yeah, so T- Tim has decided to talk about something I know nothing about, basically the biblical aspects of Mary and the birth of Jesus and things like that. So I'm like, where's Nathan when we need him? He's sleeping. Oh, see, I, think, but, I find that incredibly interesting. That's one of the reasons I decided. I didn't say it's not interesting. I just I don't know anything about it. And see, I, I, I kind of do. I, I've kind of looked into this stuff. So, but I want to listen. There you go. I want to listen. Get Jules because she's a, she was a library science major. So there you go. <laughs> uh, but all I'm, right, go ahead, Tim, take it away, brother. <laughs> Well, it's so good to have you here with us tonight, Julie. And you know what? It's Christmas Eve night, folks. And, Julie, it is the night of miracles, and that's what we're talking about. So I think that I know that you're in for a Christmas miracle. I think it's a, it's a miracle already that you're here with us after such an incredible battle like that. That is amazing, and I'm honored to have you here. I think it's really appropriate to hear on tonight, Christmas Eve, that we're talking about the traditional Christmas story. But the ufology aspects of it. Now, we just got to the part where the wise men get involved. And so the wise men, they see something that leads them towards Jerusalem. Okay. And they're summoned by Herod. All right. They call it a star. But again, this star is bright, it's in the sky, it's leading them toward Jerusalem. Jesus and they're following it all right and Herod says something very interesting to the wise man he says I want to know what time did this star appear and what exactly is going on and they told him he said all right keep following the star to Bethlehem and I want you to search diligently for this child and when you find him I want you to bring me word that I may worship him also. Now, we talked about how, okay, Mary, this virgin, has become impregnated. Well, it, it made me wonder, you know, what could lead all these different factions of people to look so highly upon this child 2,000 years ago? What could lead people to look so highly upon a child today? And I think it's really the same thing. If we knew a lady who had become impregnated by extraterrestrial and was giving birth to an alien human hybrid, this child would be sought after 
everyone around the world, right? And they would do anything they could to find this child. And I think that this was what was happening 2,000 years ago, too. Like, this is exactly what the Bible and the traditional uh, Christmas story says was happening. Tim, can, we have a modern example. Can I can I cite that example? Okay. Uh, and it, you alluded to it when you said wise men say, and and someone who's very similar to uh, to what you explained there to Jesus is none other than uh, the mother of Elvin uh, Elvis Aaron Presley, your your friend from Tupelo. Uh huh. <laughs> Sorry, I, and then when you said a wise man say, I was like, <laughs> wise I was like, sing it, man. How proud are you? you know, <laughs> I, le- I learned some great Christmas trivia about Elvis today. Would you believe that? What's that, um, man? Turns out when Elvis went to record Blue Christmas, he hated the song and he was not pleased to be in the studio. Apparently, when he got to the studio to record it, I have to assume this was in Memphis, maybe Nashville, y'all, Nashville. But he said, you know what? Let's just get this over with. Let's do this. And he sang it so over the top that he did not believe they would ever release it. And wow. sure enough, they loved it. And they released it despite his best efforts to ruin the song. And it became the Elvis Blue Christmas that we know today. You know, we found a modern corollary to <laughs> to Jesus in your fellow statesman, <laughs> Elvis Aaron. <laughs> well, and you know, Elvis himself was quite the miracle because... Yes. <laughs> um, my mother told me a story now when she was little, and she lived one county over from Elvis Presley around the same time. Mm-hmm. And the great tornado hit Tupelo, Mississippi. This was an F5. It essentially wiped out the entire city. It was a mile wide, this tornado, if you can imagine that. Wow. My mother saw the tornado from an entire county away. Okay? Wow. They don't even know how many people this tornado killed because African Americans were not part of the census at that time right if you go to Tupelo today there are a lot of houses that were built the you know the year after that tornado Mm -hmm. and they're all brick like Tupelo is loaded down with brick homes that are built above and beyond code right because yeah it was so fresh on their mind they're like this can never happen to us again so it destroyed everything, mansions, houses, government buildings, everything for miles around, except there was one tiny little shack with a mother, two little kids in it. This shack literally was a one-room shack. Now I'm talking about maybe, I don't know, 300 square feet, like nothing. Tiny house, what we call it today. Yeah. Still there, untouched. Everything around it completely wiped out. So, you know, fully believe that was some divine intervention there. Somebody somewhere knew that this Elvis Aaron Presley had greater things in store for him. His was the untouched shack. The love shack, if you will. Wow. From early Wow. Wow. That is. Wow. Yeah. Speaking of the king, when wise men heard from the king, the king, Herod, said, Follow that UFO to Bethlehem and let me know when you get there. And so I think it's quite interesting. These wise men literally did follow an object in the sky until they found Jesus. It led them to this divine child where it was in the Bible says, and I think this is quite interesting. Behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. Now, there were no helicopters 2,000 years ago. No helicopters back then, okay. No drones that we know of (laughs) 2,000 years ago. But something bright in the sky led the wise men 
to Bethlehem and hovered over the location of Jesus until they got there. And that's our traditional Christmas story. And I asked everybody to look at it through the lens of ufology. You know, if anybody else has anything to speak on when they hear the traditional Christmas story and how it relates to what we view as modern UFO phenomenon, I would love to hear from anybody. Come on now. Julie, what you got to say, homegirl? She's like, look, I'm going to sleep. Just <laughs> <laughs> she, uh, she you know, may in in the hospital. I, I hope so. I hope so. Um, you, you know, I mean, it's a place you can legally get into a different frame of mind, take some drugs, feel good. Um, so, man, you know, it, it's it's very compelling. Basically, to at least what I get out of it as a as a lay person listening to this topic is very similar to what. Dr. Pasolka is saying it, although you did it in story form. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I would not have thought, you know, um, so Tim, there is a neighbor of mine. Um, and I don't want to say his name. He's a, he's a real gentleman. Um, he lives on the, uh, sort of like, a an inlet, uh, to, fr- from the bay, uh, very, very close to the Choctahatchee Bay here. And or I, I say here, and I'm in not in I'm not in Santa Rosa Beach anymore. And, but when I was there, and when I talked to him about UFOs, he said, "Our pastor, he's from your your home state of Mississippi. Went to Mississippi State, and he said, yeah, our pastor said that those are de- it's like devil stuff or demonic or something like that. And it's interesting that you've been able to, you know, though you're very religious and Christian, you've been able to find that, that common ground in the way that Dr. Pasolka did. And it, for those of us who are secular, you know, are just spiritual and don't necessarily practice a formal religion, um, it opens our minds to, uh, the historic, you know, what's potentially a historical, uh, corollary here. Right. And Julie actually did put in the chat tornado and this is a great comment tornado mechanics are still largely unknown and making Simone proud the Martin Fleischmann Memorial Project has linked them with dark matter phenomena very where's the chat so I can read her chat interesting why don't I see it so in my bottom right hand corner I've got a little chat bubble yeah I see the oh okay there it is okay there we go yep oh yeah she says the nurses will be quite upset if she. Yes, I understand. You don't, don't want to, we don't want to piss off the nurses. They're the ones that need to give you give you these meds. Um, so yeah, it, it's uh, it is all it is uh, quite quite interesting. Um, yeah, you've you've pr- provoked some real thought tonight, Tim. Great job, sir. You're like I said, man. You're always so prepared. Um. And no surprise for those of you that don't know, Tim taught school. Um, his co-host CJ taught school, and his other co-host Smitty still teaches school. So how great is that? <laughs> Three heroes in my book. Well, I um, appreciate that, CJ. Yeah, I I just love school teachers. I think they're the backbone of uh, of society. People that would give of of their time to a pursuit that doesn't necessarily give you uh, a whole bunch of money but you shape lives and every time I see one of my teachers on Facebook um, and and some of them aren't even my teachers but they were teachers of classmates of mine and thank God some of them are still alive it just makes me smile and makes me happy um, because I, when I talk to my classmates from high school, I know the connection they had with these teachers. It's quite obvious, and it's uh, it's just one of these beautiful things in life that, that makes me smile. So, anyway. For sure. And we're, tonight we're talking about the traditional Christmas story. It's Christmas Eve, tomorrow's Christmas Day. And I really wanted to focus on the traditional Christmas story and how it relates 
to ufology everybody's welcome to chime in we're going to be closing this out though if you have anything you'd like to comment you know raise your hand we'd love to hear from you but tj i would love to hear your final thoughts tonight on what we could take away from the traditional christmas story and moving into 2024 well i think i think that was it my my last comment was that i i think that you've pointed out um that it's not only tim who while tim is a scholar himself he's not necessarily a religious scholar um but diana Pasolka is and has found you know a corollary where she believes that some of the descriptions um that are not only in the bible but are in other um historical texts from that time frame um, that she is finding um, a parallel to what people are describing today. So people like me, who maybe two years ago came into this thinking, oh, there's no religious connection and so forth. Um, maybe there is. Uh, and that we just need to delve further into it and, and see that uh, that there, there was these entities that were called angel back then may be called um a gray today i think if i'm if i'm getting her her take right and hopefully you know we're going to try to get dr jeff kripal back on he's also a guy who went to forgive me um it's not called seminary uh, in the catholic church i don't think but he was uh in the he was uh uh in school to become a priest basically and he ended up getting out of it and became a, a religious scholar Jeff Kripal uh, from Kansas but um, I'd like to get his perspectives on on what what you've said on what Diana said and and um, so we can open our minds a little bit to other aspects of of the phenomenon instead of only talking about corruption disclosure and government and what's being withheld and what isn't and what's more likely to be true and what isn't, et cetera. Right. And I want to thank everybody for chiming in, tuning in tonight as we discuss the traditional Christmas story. And I just want to leave us with this tonight. I do not believe that our encounters with otherworldly beings began any time recently. I think that these experiences have been happening for quite a long time. And 2000 years ago, they certainly would have been having experiences with the same phenomenon that we're dealing with today. 2,000 years ago, they would have put it in terms that they understood in ways that they could comprehend, and that's how they would have looked at it. And tonight, and as we progress through Christmas weekend here and into 2024, I want us to focus on the benevolent aspect of all of this. And like the wise men and shepherds over 2,000 years ago, I want us to pause to remember the Christmas story, the child sleeping in the night, and his eternal promise of goodness and light and peace. And that's what I'm going to look to carry forward to in 2024. DJ from Calling All Beings, thank you so much for joining me tonight. Thank you for inviting me, Tim. It's it's a shame Chris just came in and he's a Lakers fan. We could have been talking about what's going on with the Lakers, but no. <laughs> um, <laughs> not much. I, you know, I actually did a space one day. I connected. Uh, I found a young lady who had a big NBA uh, Twitter space following. And basically, I got together with one of my former co-hosts on Cab, and we did an answer NBA fans U, uh, UFO space so basically they hit it <laughs> nba fans hit us with a whole bunch of ufo questions so it was it was so much fun uh but thank you thank you everybody for tuning in and uh hanging out with us and thank you dr tim and uh, i will be speaking with you and seeing you uh relatively soon yes sir i appreciate you i appreciate everybody that came in here tonight i appreciate all of you let's have a great 2024 Merry Christmas, everybody. Good night. Amen. <laughs> All right, brother. Bye-bye. Thanks. Like. Share. 
follow, comment, subscribe, support. What's your hot take on Travis Taylor? <laughs> it, I've got an exclusive for you guys if you okay. want it about yeah, the Alaska. We do. Okay, okay. More at BigfootUFO.com. All things unexplained. So some of that I think, sir, will save the post. Mm-hmm.